Jesus said to the crowds, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves. I'm sorry, I turned to the wrong one. I wonder if that message is. Let us not quarrel. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must baptize, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on a household of five will be divided, three against two and two against three. A father will be divided against his son and his son against his father. A mother against her daughter and a daughter against her mother. And a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. For a moment there, my homily was at risk of not making any sense to you. It still might have that effect. <laughs> Um, this morning, um, I've been preaching at all the masses to give everyone an update as to the, the recent feasibility study that happened here at the parish. Um, and so, a number of years ago, we, we embarked on a capital campaign. We called it the Building Virtues. And the goal was to renew our preschool program so that the children would feed into the school. We were having shortfalls in the early grades and then that carries through to eighth grade. Um, and we also saw a need to revitalize the, the parish, um, but we're landlocked and we don't have any land to build on. So we looked at bringing down the, the, the parish, the cafeteria for the school, which also serves as a, a makeshift parish hall, but it's not really a parish hall because when school's in session, it's kind of hard to have funeral brunches or things like that over there. It's, so we looked at bringing that building down and building a, a, a new giant building that could fit the entire school in there. And this would free the rest of the land uh, to be repurposed for a parish center, also a gymnasium for the school, which is also lacking, uh, and a number of other things, also an adoration chapel. Um, so we we raised about three million in the last three um, in that last three-year capital campaign, and we've spent about eight hundred thousand on the the uh, the preschool, uh, a new preschool and uh, kindergarten threes program. So 
we're looking at beginning a new five-year capital campaign in conjunction with Bishop Olmsted's diocesan-wide capital campaign called Together Let Us Go Forward. Uh, this capital campaign, the Together Let Us Go Forward, is one of the largest capital campaigns, I think, in the history of the Southwest, at least in the Catholic Church, uh, involving mostly Catholic education. Uh, but there are a number of other things that Bishop's campaign will also support. He's, his goal is to raise $100 million. And I'm happy to tell you that he's on schedule to reach that goal, which is quite remarkable. And for a lot of people, when they hear about money, it can seem like a negative thing. But for me, it's, I think it's exciting that we live in a diocese that has needs and is growing. And we get to, part, we get to participate in all the good fruit that will come out of that. Um, I have a number of priest friends of mine that live in other parts of the country, and a lot of them tell me that their parishes are, they have parishes that are closing, they have high schools that are closing, and so to hear that this diocese is growing makes them excited. I don't know if you realize it, but the first time ever here in Arizona, we're, we're going to be opening a seminary in September right here in Phoenix. So there's a lot of beautiful things that are happening in our diocese, and those needs uh, show us that the church, the faith, the Catholic faith, uh, is alive and wanting to grow and expand here in the diocese. And so we get to participate uh, with that in our own unique ways. And so we went along with the Rotolo Associates. They are a company that specializes in capital campaigns. They've been working with the diocese for a number of years now. Um, some of you have friends at other parishes. Maybe you know that this campaign has already happened at their parish. Uh, because of the campaign that we had going, uh, Bishop allowed us to wait until the very end. So we are the, among the last group of churches that's joining uh, the capital campaign. And it's going to be a joint campaign for us, for the needs we have for the, for the parish and the school. And then there is a, a component of it that will participate in Bishop's campaign. Details on all of that will be in the bulletin this week. And so I invite you to take home a bulletin. Everything that I'm going to be telling you plus more is in that bulletin. So a few weeks ago, we did a feasibility study here at the parish, and there was a number of goals of the study. The first one was to determine the strengths, weaknesses, and the overall impression or image of the parish. Uh, secondly, to gauge the receptivity to the need statement. Um, are we still on track with our original building master plan? Uh, do parishioners feel like it reflects the parish's needs? Uh, three was to determine fundraising potential. Uh, how much money could we possibly raise in a five-year campaign? Um, and then fourth, to determine issues that may impact the campaign and then to identify prospective leaders, volunteers to participate in the campaign. So of the uh, participation among the parish in the feasibility study, there were almost 400 households that participated and it represents 53% of our active uh, tithing parishioners. So that's a pretty good percentage of active parishioners. Uh, they conducted a series of personal interviews, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, not with me, but with a representative from Rotolo so that people could be honest and not worry about what I might think of them. 
So it was one-on-one -on -one interviews, focus groups, and then there was the impu surveys that people had the opportunity to fill out and, and drop off. Uh, first, I want to just thank all of you who participated because it gave us useful information on how to plan and move forward in our uh, building and our capital campaign. Overall, the responses that we received for the feasibility study, uh, overall they were very, very positive. Uh, there were a few little knuckleheads in there that wasn't so positive, but overall, the, uh, the, 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 the feedback was very positive. An overwhelming majority of parishioners feel that their spiritual needs are being met here at St. Thomas the Apostle, which for me is most important. Um, they also said that communication has been good. However, they thought communication could have been better in the first capital campaign. Most people said that they liked the current pastor. That was good news for me. About 75% said they feel like our original master plan adequately reflects the needs of the parish and the school. Uh, a caveat to that is uh, also an overwhelming number of them felt that we needed to figure out a way to bring the Perpetual Adoration Chapel into that phase one rather than the, the, the last phase. Uh, roughly 70% of our participants indicated that they would make a sacrificial gift to the campaign, and 100 families said that they would volunteer their time and, and help with the campaign. One challenge that we uncovered is that we may be able to, the, what we might be able to raise, the capacity for us to raise money, uh, it looks like it is going to be short of what we would need to fully build phase one of the master plan, which is to build that new school building so that all the children can move into the new building, then we would have the old school buildings to rebuild on. Uh, so the study tested the capacity for 6.3 million. 6.3 million reflects the, the shortfall of what we have collected so far and what we would need in order to build the building as it was laid out in that first master plan. Um, so Rotolo feels that our goal will be more like four to 4.5 million. So we're short there by about two or 2.5 million. If any of you think that their number of four million is too short, come see me after mass. What's gonna happen next? Uh, we're working on ideas uh, uh, about how to move forward with the current budget. So my budget is the money that we've raised, the money that the parish has in saving, and the money that we're going to be raising in this upcoming capital campaign. So the budget, we're looking between four and four, five, four and 4.5 million in the coming campaign. So that is gonna set the scope of how big this first building can be. So we might not be able to build the building as it was shown in the master plan. Uh, unless somebody stepped forward and said they would cover a difference or help with that. So the architects are looking at various scenarios of how we could phase that first building. It would mean building a school building, some kids would be in the new building, some would be in the old, and then we would have to do something else, uh, another campaign to build another building, uh, and it would take a long time. But that's the, the current way with the budget that we're looking at. So we'll be embarking on the next capital campaign in the coming months, very soon. And I would ask each of the families to begin praying about how God might be calling you to make a sacrificial gift uh, to 
this beautiful endeavor, which is growing our faith here in our own community, but also throughout the diocese. Um, a few weeks ago, Bishop sat me down one-on-one, -on -one, which is very intimidating, and he said, what are you prepared to give to the capital campaign yourself? And then he asked me to give $6,000. And I said, what? I almost fell out of my chair. I said, do you know how much money priests make? And he said, I'm well aware of how the budget of a, the parish priest. But as I prayed about, about it, over a five-year period, it's really, it's, a, it's $100 a month. And so I made the pledge to Bishop to do that sacrificial gift of myself of like $6,000, uh, $100 a month. And I'd ask you to consider that instead of a one-time gift. A one-time gift would probably be a lot smaller than if you looked at it as a monthly gift over five years. And with, with your support, uh, we're going to see some new buildings and some growth here in the community. I invite you to take home the bulletin. It'll have all the details from the feasibility study in it as well as an invitation. Um, Tuesday morning, we'll have a town hall meeting in the ICT classroom immediately behind the church. Uh, you can RSVP for that. Information for all that is in the bulletin. I wanted to speak a little bit about the, our readings today because in some way, I think it impacts on uh, what we're preparing to do. We hear about the prophet Jeremiah and Jeremiah had a very difficult task to do. He was preaching to people things that they didn't want to hear. Um, and I'm thinking sometimes asking for money, people don't like to hear that. Uh, so I felt like I could relate a little bit with Jeremiah. And what I saw in Jeremiah is that the mark of a real prophet is he doesn't back away from things that are difficult. Um, even though they were threatening to kill him, Jeremiah continued to do what God was calling him to do. And it shows, I think, the need to understand who we are. He understood who he was. Jeremiah knew that he was a prophet of the Lord, and he understood that he was going to do, do the Lord's will, whatever came. The king in the story, he doesn't know who he is. You see, he's kind of wishy-washy. At first, he gives the command to, to have Jeremiah put to death, and then another group of people talk to him and they change his mind, and then he decides to spare Jeremiah. When we don't understand our identity and who we are and what we stand for, we, have the, uh, we've, we run the risk of just doing whatever the latest fad is or what people might be ad advising us. But when we understand our mission and who we are and what we're called to do to proclaim the gospel, the kingdom of God, it gives us great courage and, and strength to do that. So we need to understand who we are. Um, when we suffer for our faith, we create um, an atmosphere of encouragement of others to do likewise. In the letter to the Hebrews, we hear that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses that spur us on. And what I'm seeing is they were martyrs. You know, look at St. Paul, and he was oftentimes talking about his imprisonments and the things that he was enduring, and it was inspiring Christians. And they all look back to the suffering of, of Jesus as an inspiration. If you don't believe that suffering inspires people, I want to tell you a story. A really good friend of mine, his name is Monsignor Bowie, and he's from Vietnam. And when he was seven, eight years old, 
the communists came to the little village that he was from in Vietnam and they, they, they disrupted the mass and they grabbed the priest by his hair and they drug him outside and the whole church emptied out and they shot his parish priest in front of him. And as a little boy, seven years, eight years old, he made a promise to himself, I'm gonna replace him. I'm gonna become a priest and replace him. If what he's doing is that important that he would die for it, then I'm gonna do that too. And so he knew since he was seven, eight years old that he was going to become a priest. And it was the witness of somebody who stood for something, who understood who he was. And so it's important that we too stand, stand by who we are uh, as Catholics, uh, faithfully committed to uh, continuing the work and the mission of the church. In the gospel reading, Jesus speaks about fire. And for the Jewish uh, public, fire is always an image of judgment. And Jesus saw his kingdom coming as a judgment on the earth. And as much as we try to get away from the idea of, of being judged, it's, it's always there. There will come a time when each of us is judged uh, by God, how we used our time on earth, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And Jesus makes a very strong point to say that nothing, nothing in life, nothing on earth should be more important than our relationship with God. I think of some of the strongest relationships that we have or loves that we have is for our family, our mothers, our fathers, our children. And Jesus in this gospel reading is saying that nothing, even family, uh, nothing should come before our love for God. And so I pray that in my own life, I would know who I am and have the courage to be a good faithful priest and uh, also to... Uh, to love God above everything. Amen.